Welcome to Parent Talk Podcast, the podcast for busy parents, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks to make parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Becca U. Lewis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 5 of Parent Talk, everything parenting and more. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle, mom of two. I'm, of course, with my co-host, Becca U. Lewis. Hi, Becca. Hi, everyone. I'm Becca, the co-host of Parent Talk and also a mom of two. We're excited for another opportunity to learn and grow with our children today. Let's welcome another wonderful guest to help us do that. Yes, and today we are talking about when parents allow their children to make their own decisions. And we have with us Linda Clement. Linda is a parenting coach and a mom of two, and she is also a grandma. So hi, Linda, and welcome to Parent Talk Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. This is a super fun opportunity for me, and I absolutely love helping parents become great parents before they become grandparents. Touche. I like it. <laughs> so, okay, let's dive into today's topic because I'm really curious about uh, your takes on this. And uh, I'm sure it's it's a struggle for a lot of families. So uh, let's do it. So at what age um, children wants to start making their own decisions? I would say right about as soon as they take their first breath. It's kind of a the way the way people are, they prefer to have autonomy and make their own decisions about the things that are important to them. Mm-hmm. Great. And now, so even though they want to make their own decisions, when should parents uh, be comfortable letting their kids make decisions on their own? See, that's why I made this this uh, particular tool, the parents menu, because it's it, it turns out it's a conversation between all the parents involved in making the decisions. Some people are super comfortable with their kids making decisions about what they'll eat or what they'll wear when they're two or three years old. And other people are much less okay with that. And the fact is kids want to decide everything. So, you know, some parents will let them decide whether or not to rearrange the living room furniture and where they live. And other parents will not allow them to make those choices. So it's really a very, it's a very personal question. Okay. Okay. So how can we create a guideline for our own family decision, including our children's own decisions? I think it's a really important conversation to have just for parents to actually sit down and say, okay, I'm not okay with, with a nine-year-old getting a tattoo on their face when, when you take them out to the fair. Maybe you'd be okay with that, but sometimes we need to talk about these things before you make a decision that's going to make somebody else go wild. If we never talk about the decisions we're going to let our kids make, then we can end up with a lot of conflict in our families. Uh, a kid that knows which parent to go to when they want what they want. Um, parents who constantly find themselves battling over issues that they didn't even know they cared about. If you don't have any sort of format to, to approach the conversation or any way to say, you know, Hey, I think we need to talk about some of the stuff that's coming up now that they're becoming teenier, teenagers, or now that they're asking to be able to go for sleepovers with their friends. We need to start talking about which parts of those they're going to be allowed to make decisions about and which part we're going to make a decision about in advance. 
That's really, really interesting. Yeah, you know, with uh, we have fairly young children, and my children are four and seven. And, you know, I, I like what you say there that, you know, it is a very personal choice. You know, one set of parents might make a very different decision um, than another set of parents, and you have very different children than your friend's children. Um, so I really like that, that, you know, it is a personal choice. Um, now, how can we allow kids to be themselves and like live their own path to make their own decisions? Because I think that's a really important thing. I, I agree. It's a very important thing. Um, for me, it's really important to remember the humanity of children from a very early age. They don't suddenly become humans when they turn 19 or 21 or 12 or 6. They start out as human beings. And I, I think if we really honor them as whole real people right from the very beginning, then we can see much more clearly when a decision is over their heads or beyond their ability and when a decision really is okay to be handed to them because they're because we see them as whole real people and you know if that's really important to them i don't know that it's that important to me so maybe now is a good time to give that child the choice to i don't know draw on their legs with sharpie markers or whatever bizarre thing they've decided to come up with and and allow them to learn from their mistakes, which I think is a really important part of childhood. Make mistakes while you're young and they don't cost much. And you've got lots of support around you to sort of overcome them, practice again, try again, and, and avoid that learning to make decisions when you're 21 and they really cost a lot. Now, what would you say to parents who are afraid to let their kids make their own decisions? You know, you say, while it doesn't cost them so much. So, you know, if the parents are afraid, then, you know, what can they do to, to help them let go? I, I, I take that in a completely different direction than most people. My first answer is you need to learn how to handle your own fear because you can't make decisions out of fear for your children. Um, partly because then you just transmit anxiety down the generations and it doesn't help them in any way. And partly because when you make decisions out of fear, you make decisions for the wrong reasons. If you make decisions out of a sense of love and trust, it's, it, you end up with a totally different atmosphere. Decisions made out of fear are things like um, a, a friend's husband decided that no, no opposite sex sleepovers were going to be okay. And in his daughter's life, it included not allowing a, a very openly gay boy to stay overnight but then when she had a girlfriend who was her girlfriend, now he doesn't have a rule that works because he was, what he really meant was no sex during sleepovers. Okay. But he didn't want to say that because he was afraid of saying that, but that's what he was afraid of when he made that rule. Instead of saying, you know, we keep the bedroom doors open and I could pop in at any time, literally night or night or day don't don't think you're having any privacy guaranteed here um it would be a completely different conversation and that one comes out of love and respect instead of that oh i'm afraid she'll get pregnant oh i'm afraid they'll catch diseases oh i'm afraid if you see this sort of tonal difference between making a decision out of fear and making a decision out of love mm -hmm. i like to I like to uh, use the natural consequences with my children. What I mean with this is I have young kids. My kids are three and five. But I wonder if this works with older children also. So let's go back to what I was saying. Um, example, it's cold outside. Nathan does not want to put his coat on. Well, why don't we go for 
opening the door and let's see if it's going to be comfortable outside, right? So of course, it's cold. Now he wants his coat on, right? So he comes back inside, he puts his coat on. I'm wondering if it's something that we also are doing for like young teenager, preteen, you know, they can make their own experience and learning by themselves. Is it something that you teach and you like to talk about? It's something that I really support. I think, I think natural consequences when you really trust them, like if you're, if your son went out without a coat and was comfortable, okay. Then, then he's also learned that, yeah, he, maybe his idea of what feels cold to him is different than what feels cold to you. And he learns to trust his own body. And so do you. So natural consequences need to be what naturally actually happens as opposed to the sort of I've imposed the consequences I think are logical on top of that. Um, but it really is, it really is the foundation of trust, I think, in, in children. And when we trust them, they learn to trust themselves. And that gives them a big, strong foundation for them to be able to make mistakes, review their mistakes, go back and do something differently. A mistake for a 13 or 14 year old might be searching for something creepy and finding startling and frightening things on, on YouTube videos or something. When a kid isn't allowed to do that kind of stuff and they encounter things that make them uncomfortable, they, they tend to get sort of locked in to, to sticking with it instead of realizing that they've searched for something, found something they did not want to find and back out of it and go, wow, I'm not doing that again. Without those natural consequences, they have a really difficult time really trusting their own body and their own response because it's all about whether or not they get caught or whether or not they get in trouble or whether or not they care about the punishment or the reward. Um, whereas natural consequences, that, that's just what happens naturally. If you run into something creepy on YouTube, you, you like, you can respond to it instead of going, Oh, this is what they're trying to keep away from me. Anything other than natural consequences, I find directs kids' attentions in the wrong direction. It just, it creates an interest in things they wouldn't normally be interested in. And really a, a high level ability to not get caught doing things that you're trying to protect them from. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything to add, Rebecca? I think, you know, natural consequences is, is the way to go for sure. Yesterday, now my son right now, my older son, has a like skin carved out of the back of his ear. <laughs> and I had to ask who what happened um and it turned out he was playing in one of the large like amazon boxes we had downstairs from from a delivery with his younger brother and i think they were roughhousing as they always do Mm -hmm. and my husband came by and said you know what guys someone is going to get hurt and And then one of them had to prove him right yes and so i like i was doing other things and so i i had no idea this happened and then i come downstairs and sure enough you know he's got like skin carved out and and then he's like yeah i'm not doing that again (laughs) he knows yeah he knows that 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 was not a good idea so yeah i think natural related to that one of one of the rules that i always had for um playgrounds for kids in playgrounds And for other people, we often had other adults around who hadn't had their own kids. So they were always looking to me for what the rules with my kids were because they wanted to play with them in the playground, but they weren't sure what they were allowed to do. And I always said they're allowed to get into whatever they want to. They can go as high up the ladder as they want. They can go down any slide they want. But if they find themselves like if they get stuck or or feel like they've gone too far, rescue them immediately. Don't ever encourage them to go past their own sense of 
danger or risk, but rescue them in instantly if they, if they happen to step past their limit. Because I really wanted my kids to learn their own limits and, and get the idea that if you go past it, then somebody will help you. You can ask for help. You can get help. But don't encourage them to go past what makes them feel afraid because then they lose that natural connection to their body and, and what it, their body's responding to that feels dangerous. That's a really good point. Yeah. And also like trusting them too. Like my, my younger son is a climber. He he's, a, I swear he was a monkey in a previous life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was climbing this thing that was probably like six feet up. It's like the ropes before you get up to like the very high platform. And he was about a year and a half. And so being mom and he was a year and a half, I stayed underneath and just like, was like, okay, like, I hope he's okay. But at least if he falls through one of these giant holes, like I'll be right there. And after he did about 12 times, <laughs> and I was my neck was hurting. Um, I stepped away for a little bit. Um, and another parent who just come to the park yelled at me and was like, Are you not gonna watch your child? I'm like, No, no, I've watched him. And I trust him. And he knows where I am. And you know, he's to this day, you know, three, four years later, he's still a big climber, but he really trusts his own body. He knows where to go, how far to go. I mean, I found him 30 feet up in a tree, but (laughs) he knows where his limit is and he'll find his way down. And so I I love the other part that you said too, that's, you know, being able to ask for help. I think that's a really healthy thing to learn and that's a great way to learn it. Mm -hmm. I got to say myself also, um, when you, you, your child decide to dress the way they want, or if it's a teenager that decide now they're the a goth style with like the makeup and the black lipstick and the black all, you know, you have to walk next to them. And I, I, it doesn't matter what's, what's the age. For me, my kids likes to dress themselves up and it makes no sense sometimes, right? So, and I had to give up some ego. So I'm like, I, oh my gosh, I'm, how am I going to look like as a parent? My, my kid's going to daycare or going to school dressed in a PJ maybe today or different things like this that will happen throughout the year, the, the life of her children. And for me, I was a bit confronted with this. So when a parent is confronted with uh, their own story, their own um, ego, uh, what, what, what kind of recommendation you give to those parents? Actually, that's exactly the same thing that Becca just asked a little, a little bit ago. It's what do parents do when they're afraid? And, and the answer is you need to learn to handle your own fear. When it's your ego that's involved in what your kid looks like or what your kid seems like to other people, that's all about how you feel you're going to be judged. And the fear of judgment is, is not unrealistic, but it's not as dangerous as we seem to think it is. So we need to learn how to handle our own fear so that we can help our kids deal with the judgment that they do run into in the world so that they don't end up sort of transmitting the same thing. I'm afraid of being judged by how you look. So when you grow up, you'll be afraid of being judged how your kid looks. I want you to feel like your kid is separate enough from you that they'll be judged on their own merit. And you won't, you're not just a reflection of what your kid is dressing like. And to be able to handle those fears of social you know, sticking out or, or not fitting in or whatever it is that is your ego wrapped up in that. That's all based in fear. So going back to that, I love my child. I love their independent spirit. I love who they really are, not who they seem to be or who other people think they are. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about schooling a little bit. I've seen throughout my parenting uh, journey uh, with the podcast, I've talked to a lot of parents and I have seen 
or met some parents that are, are really strict or really want their children to go to university. So it doesn't matter if the child is two or if the child is about to go to university, uh, the desire is the same, right? And I have observed with, uh, with time that often it's actually not about the child. It's often, as an example, is the, ch- the, the, the parent did not go to university themselves and suffered throughout his entire life because he did not go to university, did not get a degree, did not get uh, XYZ job. And now they're putting the pressure or they're forcing that decision on their child. So I'm sure you're going to say again, your fear, but when you're actually really trying to um, guide them on the right path, and then you are maybe stuck in your own past, do you have any tips or tricks on that? That, that's that's actually a really important thing to become aware of in yourself. If you think university is the answer for everybody there is, you might want to ask who's going to be doing your plumbing for you um, or, you know, your auto mechanics or cleaning your house if you have a housekeeper. It, it isn't realistic for everybody to go to university and it is a very specific type of education for a very specific purpose. And if your child doesn't have that purpose on their life goal list, your demand or desire for them to go to university or anywhere else is really about you and and maybe talk more about what it is that you wanted in your life that you feel like you didn't get, or even talk about what you got in your life that you feel is really valuable. So because I've seen it in both sides, I've seen university educated parents being adamant that their children go because of what they got from university and, and, and the flip side, people who didn't get to go, who feel like they got ripped off or, or that their life was in altered incurably because of that. Um, I often recommend that if parents really think university education is very important and they didn't get to go, they should go and leave their kid out of it (laughs) because the, the child's path is the child's path. And unless you're interested in passing down this frustration you have, let them make their own decisions and they might decide to go to university and it might be wonderful for them. And they might decide to take up backpacking through Tibet and end up being an internationally renowned travel guide or who knows what they'll do. They'll do what, what is their path. And it's not necessarily university for anyone. I actually read a story a long time ago about a guy whose dad was absolutely insisting that he had to become a lawyer. It was the only thing he was allowed to do. He was really a very controlling person. And what the guy did when he got his law degree and passed the bar was drop it on his dad's desk and say, there, I'm a lawyer. And he never practiced for a day in his life. He went and did something else that was what he really wanted to do. Now, that was a big waste of resources and an enormous waste of seven years of that guy's life. That is a not necessary thing to do to anybody. And it really just proves that even if you can force them to do what you want them to do, you can't make them live it. Mm, Interesting. So would you say for any parents that some strong non-negotiable, you know, all the things that you're hard no or you're a hard yes, right? Would you recommend we should actually revisit this and just look if it's uh, something that we're stuck into personally and we're basically putting pressure on our children and will be putting pressure on our children Absolutely. I think, I think that's actually one of the really valuable parts of this, of this menu and this conversation is to actually get an opportunity to step back just a little bit, maybe not talk about your kids and what they're going to be allowed to do, but about why that's a hard yes and why that's a hard no 
And if it is actually a realistic thing to have a hard no or a hard yes about, because quite often when we step back, relax a little bit, think a little bit more about love and a little bit more about acceptance, we often find that what's a hard no for us is because of our hard lessons that we learned and we forget that we learned them and that that's a really valuable thing to us and that we can allow our children to learn what's going to be very valuable to them as well. Not saying that you can't have any hard no's or that there aren't any realistic ones to have, just that maybe sometimes there's more of them that you're tense and stressed about than you need or that will ever help your family. So Linda, you mentioned that parent menu. So uh, you have created a parent menu with many examples of decisions that parents will have to make in their life. So can you give us a few examples? Um, one, of the, one of them I already said, drawing on your skin. Is it okay to draw on your skin? And, and the natural branch off from that, is it okay to draw permanently on your skin? Um, some people will say no. Some people will say, as long as it's not makeup. Some people will say, it's not my skin. And really all the way up to tattooing. Some people will say, it's not my skin. I don't have to live with it for a million years. And if you learn to regret this by the time you're 40, they probably have better technology for taking it off by then. Whereas other people would just be absolutely, no, you're not having a tattoo. It's too dangerous. No. It's a conversation that is so important to have. I think another one is uh, the, the constant issue of screen time, computer and tablet phone use and its duration and its apps and whether or not you're allowed to snoop it at any time you feel like it. The kinds of parameters around using those newer technologies and 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 uh, the freedom or lack of it that children will be given, and when they are allowed to make their own decisions about whether or not they use Facebook or whether or not they had talked to their friends in WhatsApp, eventually they will be making those decisions when they're adults. And my argument is always that they need to learn how to make those decisions. And that means they probably need to make some pretty big mistakes about it on the way. Another example is, are these clothes available for them to wear? Will you buy the clothes that are the latest fashion that you think, <laughs> oh, that's as bad as stirrup pants or belly tops or whatever the, the two inch zipper <laughs> kind of things that were from the past. Are they allowed to be fashionable this year? Is there a limit to that? Will you pay for them or will they have to buy them themselves? And do both parents agree about this? Because often one parent is a little more conservative in dress than the other. So it's a conversation. It's just a really important thing to talk about. Is your 14-year-old going to be allowed to commute by themselves to their school or maybe to a concert downtown in the park? Would, would both of them be okay because they commute to the school? Does that automatically mean they can commute to a festival? Or doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I love those examples. If uh, you want to have the Linda's parent menu, please, you can um, please message us at Genevieve at parenttalk.ca, or you can simply go to our contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. And I will be uh, sending you that PDF. So I think it's a good actually exercise to do with the family, like you're saying, Linda. And what I like, I'm looking at it right now. What I like is there's a lot of things in there, Linda, that uh, I didn't, I don't think so I would have thought about. So, and why not be prepared for those conversation? And we don't even know if we're going to be having, but if we do, we already talked about it with 
our children and with husband included and our like wife or, you know, everybody together. So I think uh, it's probably a good thing to have. I don't know if I put it on my, on my fridge, maybe, you know, if it's, if it's needed. So, um, yeah, so don't hesitate to contact us and I will send you, uh, the parent, uh, the parent menu from Linda. So Linda, we can find you on our panel of expert at parenttalk.ca. Where else can we find you? I'm on Instagram at Thrive Parenting Coach, Thrive Parent Coaching. I'm uh, on Facebook. I'm Linda Clement or Linda.Clement.733. I also have a parenting group called Thrive Parenting AP and uh, Respecting Children that's uh, available on Facebook. And my website is RaisingParents.net. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That concludes today's episode. Baker and I would like to say thank you for taking the time to be here with us today and bringing so much value to all of us parents, helping us grow and be the best parents we can be. Thank you. It was absolutely my pleasure to be on the podcast. I would love to come back anytime. And I really enjoy listening to the variety of interesting experts and topics that you guys have. It's really a great podcast. Yes. Well, thank you so much. We work really hard at it. <laughs> so for our listeners, if you have a question, you would like to join us as a guest uh, on our show or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. We're inviting you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and also on YouTube at Parent Talk TV. Of course, you can always subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Linda and we're inviting you to share it on your social media. So as we all know, I like to say at the end, parenting can be hard. So remember, it's important to laugh, keep learning, cherish your religion, be true to yourself. Thank you for joining us today and have a great week. Bye. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.